0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cross Examination, the podcast where a curious Christian confronts crucial, complicated questions. My name is Cale Prindle. Thank you for joining me while I contemplate theological ideas and issues as they relate to me, to churches, and to others. This is episode one, so uh, to get started, here's a little bit about me and some of the perspectives I'm going to be bringing to these topics I was born into a religious context, into a family that essentially never missed a week of church, except for those rare weekends where we were like up to our elbows and vomit and diarrhea. But, you know, if fluids weren't flying, you could find us planted in the pews pretty much every single week. I attended Christian schools from kindergarten through college, and I was saturated with Christian thought and belief and perspective. But then I graduated and began teaching in a public school that was 10 times the size of the high school I attended with people from all walks of life. And pretty much ever since then, my worldview and my faith have looked very different. So this is a show that takes the culmination of growing up in a specific Christian context and mixes it with the rest of life and culture. It's a show that takes place in a theological and philosophical ecotone a place of merging life spheres. It's a rough and tumultuous place to be at times, but it is also rich and exciting, you know, when it's not completely freaking me out. Finally, and this might be most important depending on who you are and why you're here and why you're listening, I am not a pastor or a priest or any kind of clergy type person. I'm a guy who has lived his life one way for a really, really long time and I really like to talk about tricky topics. This is a show that is rooted in my perspectives and my opinions, but my goal is to always be aware of those perspectives and opinions so I can crack them open. So with all that being said, that is plenty about me for now. You'll hear more about that in weeks to come, I'm sure. So let's just get to the good stuff. It's a weird thing to grow up thinking one way about everything and then to have those ideas challenged. But that's what happens, and not only to me but to a huge number of religious people. And when your understanding of the world finds itself face to face with other worldviews and circumstances and realities, people often find themselves in a situation in which they need to decide whether their original worldview was correct or if it was wrong. Now, according to my upbringing, the answers for these sticky spiritual situations were pretty simple. We were right because the Bible is right because God is right. There were plenty of verses like Proverbs chapter 3 that told us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and God's weakness is stronger than man's strength. So it didn't really matter if we thought it made sense and it didn't really matter if we were right. We had something to always kind of lean against. And then to top all of it off, we can take Hebrews chapter 13, which tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you can easily see how we can end up with a cocktail of loyalty in the face of any opposition. But there's kind of a little bit of a problem when you're raised to believe exclusively in the ideas of your church and you are taught that everything else is wrong. Then you are raised in an all or nothing black and white binary faith that kind of begs to be broken. And then for many, that's exactly what happens Now, there are a lot of reasons for a person to walk out on religion, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those as the podcast continues, but today I want to touch on just one. Let's talk about what it means to outgrow your religion. Now, I know that I just used the word outgrow, and I know that that comes with a lot of different ideas and connotations. I also want you to know that I did that on purpose. I also want to try to separate it from those normal connotations, Because there's an idea here, and that idea is rooted in how one might be raised in a Christian environment. So, let's do a little mental experiment here. For those of you who grew up in a Christian culture, I want you to think of the most common or popular Bible stories. The ones you heard the most, or the ones you remember the most, the ones that got a lot of attention. Here's what I think of. David and Goliath. Zacchaeus. Noah's Ark. Daniel in the lion's den, Joseph in his coat of many colors, Samson and Delilah, Adam and Eve. Now, of course, there's plenty of room to debate. My list doesn't even mention Jesus, for instance, and, and that's because I feel like Jesus is talked about a lot, but it's usually outside of the specific stories about him. So I want you to think about your list and try to remember what lessons you were taught along with those stories many of them involved a simple, doesn't mean they're not beautiful, but sometimes a simple idea that God loves you and he will take care of you. That's true of David and Goliath, of Noah's Ark, of Daniel, and so on. Now, most, if not all of them are also staples in a curriculum of morality tales. If taken too simplistically, many of these stories can be boiled down to a simple command, obey always. For a lot of people, the Bible is a collection of stories that explore, if I can use that term, even though I know I'm using it kind of shallowly here, but to explore what happens when people make right and wrong decisions. Noah obeyed and lived, Samson didn't obey, and he died. The big issue I'm seeing here is that most people are not taught to think deeply about scripture or how we ought to respond to it. Instead, we treat our entire religious lives with the same oversimplifications that we started with as kids. And when we do that, we will eventually find that we outgrow our religion. Okay, so I just used that word again, outgrow. I want to talk a little bit about that term because I know it comes with a lot of baggage when you're talking about spirituality. So here's why I keep using it. For me and from what I've noticed and gathered from a lot of different people, the term outgrow is often used to imply that somebody has matured beyond the value of their religion or maybe they've grown intellectually to a point where all this God stuff seems to be beneath them. I don't think that many people outgrow all their God stuff in this way. At the risk of sounding condescending, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, I think that most people are more often stunted in their own growth, that they haven't become more brilliant or sophisticated, but they actually just think in small ways when it comes to their religion. (laughs) I don't necessarily love saying that because I don't want to come across sounding like some kind of know-it-all douchebag here. Uh, The whole reason for starting this podcast is to admit and attempt a new way of working through everything that I don't know, So when I say that I don't think many people have outgrown religion in this way, I mean to say that a lot of people don't think about religion in a complex way, at least not in any more of a complex way than they did when they were kids. Instead, they take the ideas of that small religion that was given to them when they were small themselves and notice that that religion, the one when they were super tiny, doesn't fit them or their world anymore. And I don't think they're wrong. When I say that we outgrow our religion, I mean it in a way that suggests our religion didn't grow with us. I don't mean it with all of its negative connotations. I mean it in as literal of a way as I can. The religion many of us grew up in was given to us when we were small, and it didn't grow when we grew. For some people, there's a moment when they first realize their Christianity is a bit too snug. For some, it's as simple as the rest of the world telling you that the kinds of things in the Bible are silly little stories like fairy tales, but with a bit more social and moral clout. I don't want to get started on my thoughts about wars on Christianity or, or God or Christmas or any of that kind of nonsense. Like, I'll, I'll save it for later. We'll do another episode sometimes where I express how... Wrong, I think all of that is. Um, But I do think there's something to consider regarding our culture and how it treats the mystical and the fantastic. The Bible and Christianity appears to make some impressive claims from holding the sun in the sky until an army wins in battle to the resurrection of multiple people throughout history. Like, it's not real easy to believe that kind of stuff for no good reason. But, as I mentioned before, if... We were raised in the church. We had a lot of good reasons. God's wisdom is beyond us. He's been the same since forever. So we need to follow along. For others the moment they start pressing the brakes on Christianity is when the Bible comes across as less moral and less ethical than we think it ought to. Maybe it's a moment when God orders the Israelites to commit genocide in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Or maybe it's the sexism in Paul's writings that tells that women shouldn't speak in church or that women are saved through childbirth like it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. These issues seem so weird and backward to us and it doesn't take much time at all to find how these kinds of verses can be and have been used to oppress people all over the world. So what do we do with them? Now again, a lot of people Just double down, and a lot of people duck out. And I happen to think that both of those options are wrong. I think they're wrong because there's a lot of good stuff hanging out in the pages and conversations surrounding an awareness of something bigger in the world, but the question is how do we deal with it as we grow? So far the only answers I've stumbled onto are ones that will make a lot of people in your home church or your old life kind of uncomfortable. When you outgrow something, when it doesn't fit anymore, you have to get rid of your old clothes and find some new ones. Now, when I say that, my spidey senses start to tingle with an anxiety of the reactions from friends and family and church relations that I've had throughout the years. Admitting to having your religion not fit right anymore is full of these types of feelings and worries. Because faith is such a big thing that is integrated into the lives of so many people, And it's really hard to suggest to anybody that you might not be feeling it the same way anymore. But there's actually some biblical support for reaching this point in your life. So let's take a look at the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke for just a moment. In Matthew chapter 9 Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5, Jesus is confronted with some questions about his followers who aren't behaving the same way everybody else is behaving at that time. So this is from Luke. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new one will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined." no new wine must be poured into new wineskins and no one after drinking old wine wants the new for they say the old is better okay so we have some people who are frustrated because jesus's crew isn't doing all the same ritualistic stuff that the rest of the people are and before we go any further let's just talk for a minute about that i said earlier that I get a good sized chunk of anxiety when I think about talking publicly or admitting that my faith has changed over time, that some of the old stuff doesn't fit like it used to. My worry is reflected in this story when other people, those who have lived their whole lives living one way, start calling out other people who aren't doing things the way they used to. There's something about religion that makes us feel like we need to be in each other's business about everything. On one level, I totally get it. I do. Church is social and people are social and we find value in ourselves when we find our places in a group. But when somebody starts acting out of the ordinary or isn't playing the role in our social group anymore, we can feel that the institution is in danger of losing its structural integrity. In the gospels then, people are asking Jesus, why are your guys not fasting? We're fasting, so why aren't they? Because if a group of followers just stops doing the rituals, just stops the liturgy, just stops behaving, then we worry that the whole thing, the whole religion, the whole social order will collapse. Sometimes people get angry about it and use God's name to rebuke you. But I think if we play it honestly, we're not worried about God being disrespected. We're worried that our secure rituals and church life won't be there for us anymore. So nowadays, this is shaped this way. People you know may see or have already seen that you are thinking about things differently and they worry for you, but they worry for themselves too. There can be a freedom in your pursuit of a new truth that is threatening to others because they are still following the rules. But if you aren't following those same rules, they may start questioning everything too. And that feels uncomfortable and people don't like discomfort. I think that's important to remember though. Because if we think about our faith as something we are growing into and out of and we need replacement faith clothes, that doesn't mean everybody else has grown to that point also. So wherever you are in this world, be gracious to others as they try to understand you and your transition. Okay, back to the story. So one group of people are annoyed at Jesus' disciples, and he tells them that his crew is fine because they are in the middle of something super important. They have received Jesus in their midst, the bridegroom in this metaphor. But he does tell them that his people will have plenty of time for fasting in the future. But then Jesus moves into two metaphors for this situation. The first focuses on trying to patch an old piece of cloth with a new cloth patch, and the second focuses on filling old, used wineskins with new wine. So let's look at this first metaphor because it fits well with the term outgrowing that I've been using so far. You have something that's worn out. Maybe your favorite pair of pants that you wear every chance you get because you know they make you look good. But when you wear something a lot, it starts to show the wear and tear. So Jesus is talking about something that these disciples have been using a lot for a long time and it started to tear. So when you go to fix up the tear, you find patches that are as close as you can get to the original cloth. But whatever you find, it's probably not going to be a perfect fit or a perfect match. I'll go ahead and admit that I don't have a lot of patching experience or wineskin experience for that matter, but the metaphor should still be clicking in for you anyway. Jesus is saying that the way you've always been doing things might be needing replaced, but your new experiences might make it hard to find the perfect patch. In other words, the conditions of your life now might not properly fit on your well-worn, torn-up faith that you felt so comfortable in before. Of course, this metaphor allows you to try to patch it up, but it also suggests that you should just move on to the next thing. Why shred up a perfectly good, new piece of clothing when you could just put it on? The second metaphor plays out similarly, but with a few key differences. First, you'd only refill a wineskin if you were out of wine. And already, I think that's super interesting. So take a moment. When have you had those moments when you felt you had nothing left, spiritually speaking? Was it last week? Last year? Last decade? I mean, I feel like I could go on forever just on that and how terrible we are at admitting when we're running on empty. But I don't want to lose too much momentum, so we're going to keep clicking along. If you are out of old wine... And you wanted more old wine, you should just get more old, pre-skinned wine. But this metaphor isn't about doing the logical thing, because it isn't the wine we are obsessed with. It's the wine skin, the container, the exterior-facing thing. I think the modern equivalent is pretty amusing. How many times would we reuse a soda can? Probably never. I could recycle it. But if I want more soda, I get a new can. I can't think of any reason to obsess about keeping the old can. When we hang on to our religious upbringings without taking the new risks or thoughts or questions, aren't we just obsessing about the container we're in? The exterior? The label? But what happens when Jesus says people are trying to keep their old label container Religious ideas while dumping in the new, exciting, important, God-given perspectives. It doesn't just not match, like the patch metaphor. Instead, the whole thing ruptures. Now you have no container at all. If you're anything like me, you know this feeling. Running out of faith wine. Looking for a way to fill up the original container. And finding yourself drenched... With ruptured religion it feels worse than being out of faith wine you literally don't have anything even to hang on to anymore this is the experience of thousands and thousands of religious people and at this point it makes perfect sense because a lot of religious people keep trying to squeeze into those clothes they wore as kids even though they aren't kids and every time a tough question comes up they tear a new hole So this is where I'm currently going in life and in this podcast, a direction that allows me to find new clothes and new wineskins. This isn't me walking away from God and not even walking away from my religion, but I'm tired of tearing new holes when my life is throwing me questions and ideas that my old clothes and my old wineskins can't contain. But as I continue to explore and try on new stuff, there are two things I wanna remember. The first is that these Jesus metaphors show us that replacements for rituals and faith are still at their core the same thing as before. You don't swap out cloth for tumbleweeds and you don't swap out wine for monster energy drinks. The new thing is still the old thing. Just newer, better fitting. The other thing I think I need to remember is the last thing Jesus throws in at the end. There are some people who will always say the old stuff is better. And I'm fine with that. I'm not interested in ripping people away from something they love. I'm not interested in bursting your wine sack. Maybe your clothes aren't torn and and maybe you're not out of wine. Great! We can all be at different stages. Because the Bible talks about that too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul tells a church community that he's letting them in on things slowly. That he's presenting them with milk, not meat. Then, in Hebrews chapter 5, he talks about people jumping ahead of their maturity, trying to get that meat when they aren't ready for it. I have struggled with this for years at this point, trying to discern whether or not people are ready for a new way of seeing things and I've worried about rupturing wineskins in the process. So we can't get overly aggressive or feeling superior to other people just because we got some new fancy pants. Faith and self-discovery are roads you can't force people down. They'll get there when it's their time. So I'm here now for anybody who wants to walk along that road with me for a while. With any luck, we'll stumble upon some really cool stuff, and if we tear some new holes, hopefully we can find a new pair of faith pants for each of us to fit into. Well, there we go. Episode one, boom, recorded. Thank you so much for listening to Cross Examination. It means a lot to me. Just thank you so much. we got another episode pretty much ready to be recorded right now, so hopefully that goes up real soon. Um, Share the podcast, tell people about it. I kind of see this as a way for people who are just kind of finding themselves out there in kind of the middle of nowhere. So I know it's a lonely place, it's a weird place. So if you know someone who's kind of in that spot, maybe this is something that'll help them out. Uh, That would be great. Otherwise, thank you so much. Um, There's really not any credits. I'm Kale Prindle. I'm recording this in my office all by myself. (sighs) But also music is from bensound.com. And I have to say that. Otherwise, I have to pay that person money. So thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you next time.